You are listening to the Sermons Podcast of First Baptist Church, Mount Washington. I invite you to turn in your Bible, Daniel chapter 10. We're closing in uh, on our study of Daniel. We're in the final three chapters, 10, 11, and 12. I will tell you they are all about a single vision. Chapter 10 is kind of preparation for the vision. Chapter 11 is the vision itself. And then chapter 12 is uh, kind of some follow-up comments, application of it. And my goal, now don't hold me to this per se, but my goal is to preach chapter 10 today and next week try to look at 11 and 12 together, uh, which means you may want to bring a snack. So let's look at chapter 10 today, though, and the introduction preparation for the vision. I want to encourage you uh, to note as we read it how this vision uh, and the visions really Daniel has been receiving are are literally just sucking the life out of Daniel, weighing uh, heavy on his heart. And uh, the question I want you to think about as well as we read is what does this kind of introduction, long introduction, teach us? In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day... Of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees, and he said to me, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. When he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand What is to happen to your people in the latter days? For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. 
Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And then I go out. Behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Lord, we pray as always that um, your Holy Spirit would, as we sang earlier, would be uh, in a sense welcomed, Lord. That you would be welcome to work in our hearts and lives, speaking the truth that we need to hear and uh, changing and transforming us through it. We pray for that work in ourselves. We pray for that work for one another today. And I pray that you would use me in that work, that you would increase and I would decrease and your word would go forth. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's not hard to pick up on the fact that something is quite wrong here in Daniel chapter 10, uh, meaning by all the, the ways that Daniel is describing his agony as he is uh, writing this. We know that the end of their time of exile in Babylon is coming to an end. Jeremiah had promise, promised, prophesied that after 70 years, God's people would return to Israel. Daniel had read these verses, he knew these verses, and in fact, by the time of this writing, we're told there in the third year of Cyrus King that there had already been many who were returning to Israel. But things were not getting better. Uh, Daniel lamented in chapter 9 that despite the exile, the hearts of God's people were not turning towards repentance. They were saying unchanged in spite of these the, the kingdom of God expanding growing in the world think, things seem to be getting worse and we'll talk in a moment about news on the ground in Jerusalem with the people returning how things weren't going well at all this comes on the heels of the 70 years which we talked about last week which were filled with trouble tough times difficult times it's easy, I think, for us as believers in Christ to develop some false expectations about the Christian life. And, and, and one of the most common ones is that we assume that if we're trying to follow God in faithfulness, that nothing difficult will come our way. Uh, from, from the big problems of the world to everyday life. Uh, may play out something like this. All the children get out of bed uh, one morning and they're all in a foul mood and then no one can find uh, what they need for school. And then at the proper time, the dog throws up on the floor. And then you, everybody gets in the car and the car won't start because the battery is dead and all those things. And, and perhaps the first thought is, this is not fair because I got up and read my Bible this morning. 
I was in church on Sunday. I, I've been trying to follow, I've been trying to do better. I've been trying to follow God. Why aren't these things, why are these things happening? Why aren't things better? And, and in a much, I think, larger scope, Daniel 10 is, is here. It's written to help us to understand this, this truth that life is, in fact, hard. That the conflicts and suffering that we experience on earth as believers in Christ, followers of Christ, is, is par for the course. This is the, the way things are. And in fact, this even expands us and helps us see here in, in chapter 10 that there's these, these conflicts that we have are a part of a greater spiritual conflict that is ongoing behind the scenes of life. Now, knowing that doesn't make anything easier. It's not going to make your morning easier when that happens this week. But it does shape our expectations, and, and ultimately, it, it fills us with hope. And I think that's what Daniel 10 is trying to, to do. So let's note some of the lessons this introduction teaches us. First of all, note this, faithfulness is often more difficult than we imagine. I think that's the message of verse 1, and... And, and that verse 1 is probably a heading for chapters 10, 11, and 12. This is the theme. This is the title. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict. Uh, in other words, the vision, the revelation from God, Daniel, I think, had been receiving and was about to receive, yet... Again, this vision was true, and yet it involves great conflict. It involves hardship, warfare, even warfare that includes severe suffering for God's people. That, that's a bit disconcerting, if you will, especially since this is essentially the theme of the vision. But, but Daniel is reminding us that the future history of God's people is going to be one of suffering. He tells us this again so that we will not be broken down by this, but so that we can brace for this and expect this. I love the freedoms and comforts that we enjoy in the United States of America. Don't you? Um, we are a blessed people, and those have come at a great price, as you know. And we should be thankful. But we, we haven't seen the kind of overt persecution that most of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world experience on a regular basis. And whether that's in, uh, again, places like Pakistan or Iran or China or North Korea where, where Christians are hunted, hunted uh, and, and persecuted regularly. We sometimes forget living here, that we are in an abnormal situation, and one in which, again, we are very grateful for, and we should thank God for that. But brothers and sisters, do not assume that it will always be this way. The Bible says there is a spiritual conflict that is taking place all around us. And do not be surprised at all when some of that conflict begins to spill over in your life. In your life. I think the, rem 
reminder to Daniel here is that faithfulness will bring conflict. With this true word, this true word from God, Daniel says, comes great conflict and suffering. That is, faithfulness will lead you into conflict in this world. It will lead you into conflict with your own sin and your own self at times. And faithfulness even will lead you into conflict at times with others around you. Faithfulness to God does not always produce peaceful, easy feelings in times. More often than not, faithfulness leads to suffering. And oftentimes it's more costly than we imagine. The Bible prepares us for this. And, and it tells us this everywhere. And you think of some of the verses in the New Testament. Do not be surprised by the fiery trials when they come upon you. It tells us these things are going to come. Suffering is a mark of God's people. Here's a great verse from Philippians 1.29. And it teaches us that both faith in Christ and suffering for Christ are both gifts of His grace. For it has been granted to you, Paul writes, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, in Jesus, but also suffer for His sake. The the idea that we can be somehow connected to Christ in faith and not have some measure of suffering is a foreign concept in the Bible. The the expectation that as we grow in faithfulness, that there will be less suffering in our lives. This is not in there. Many of us perhaps can think back to times as when we were believers earlier in our Christian lives in which obedience to God seemed a whole lot easier than it is now. But as you grow and you progress in the Christian life and you face challenges and difficulties, faithfulness gets harder and harder. Both as individual Christians and also as a church. The more faithful that we are to God and His Word, the more costly our discipleship comes. Be prepared for this. Secondly, and not surprisingly, we find that prayer is more crucial to all of this than we know. (laughs) We know the suffering's coming, the difficulty's coming, and then we see the prayer. Verses 2 and 3, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. Daniel's response to this word, this vision, uh, is mourning and fasting. Sounds kind of strange to us, fasting. He didn't fast from all kinds of food. It doesn't say he fasted from every food, but just these delicacies and uh, apparently some aftershave lotion or something. But these are signs of mourning. And and as verse 12 makes clear, here's what he's doing in the season of prayer. As uh, he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard. Talking about his prayers. From the first day you started praying, Daniel, your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. Notice what's driving his prayer. What's driving his prayer, of course, is is the the subject, the content, the the desire to understand this vision. We've already seen this. Chapter 8, verse 27, Daniel says, I I want to understand this vision. Chapter 9, it says the same thing. It says the same thing here. He desires to understand what is God's word telling me. 
What's going to happen to the people of God? This drove him to prayer. I think it may be also behind the scenes that Daniel probably was hearing reports of what was happening to in Israel as the people returned. Now we know that a significant number of people had already returned to Jerusalem during the first year of Cyrus's reign. We're now at the third year here, and we think about things that we read in Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra chapter 4, for example, tells us that there's all kinds of conflict going on in Jerusalem because they're rebuilding the, the temple, uh, reestablishing the city. Things aren't going well. And that may have been part of what Daniel, what drove Daniel to his prayer closet but how remarkable is verse 12 from the first day your words have been heard and I've come because of your words it's a remarkable verse it it implies at least that this angelic vision or this visit that Daniel's received we'll talk about it in just a second of of this angel would not have occurred apart from Daniel's prayer Verse 13 even implies it, that his prayer played an important part behind this this spiritual conflict and triumph. He says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Veldkamp, a commentator, explains it like this. As we shall see, Daniel's prayers succeeded in drawing angels from heaven to earth. These angels formed an invincible heavenly guard around the people of the Lord with the result that the plans of the enemy failed in a mighty battle that being fought between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Daniel succeeded in mobilizing the angels as a spiritual air force against the satanic powers of the air. Now, we'll talk about what that means a little bit more in just a minute, but don't miss this connection here between the the fact that Daniel prayed and angels went to war. It's it's startling, uh, amazing kind of of mission. One of them comes to Daniel and says, I have come because of your words, Daniel. Verse 14, I've come to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days it's fascinating you know of all the ways god could be working in this moment this situation and there are many ways that he could have worked right if 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 we worship a god that can merely speak things into existence as you talked about in sunday school in genesis chapter one a god who can just speak things with that kind of power god can do anything he wants on his own amen That's called omnipotence. He's all-powerful. He doesn't need anybody or anything. But, But many times, it's as if God chooses to take the long way around, the time-consuming way, and use people and their prayers to accomplish His plans. Daniel 10, he moves his servant Daniel to pray for his people. There's a struggle that is going on with Daniel. And then in response to this struggling of prayer and fasting and not eating and mourning and humbling and desperation, that's when God brings help to his people. I have come because of your words. What a lesson. 
Prayer may be more crucial than we thought. Amen? Ferguson comments here, the contemporary church has much to learn from Daniel in this respect. In many churches, personality is more highly prized than wisdom and understanding. Weaknesses are resolved by new programs, not by faithful prayer. He continues, Christian leaders like Daniel who devote their energies to seeking the word of God and the face of God rather than to seeking one-way tickets to Babylon might be people the affluent and busy 21st century church would find difficult to understand. But Daniel was committed to the long-term view of God's kingdom. And can I tell you, brothers and sisters, we need to be committed to a long-term view of God's kingdom. And it comes by prayer. Ian Bounds said it like this, the church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. For people are God's methods. And apparently, prayer is much more crucial to all of this than we know. We need to commit ourselves to prayer. Third, notice the truth is more devastating than we think. Now this is the bulk of of uh, verses 4 through 19, the bulk of the chapter here. And it's about this figure Daniel sees in his vision. As you might imagine, there's a lot of discussion about his identity. We see it there in verses 4 through 7. He's uh, on the 24th day of the first month. I was standing on the bank of the great river. I, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. And his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of multitude of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. But, but he says, even the men who were with me, they didn't see it, but a great trembling fell upon them. And they fled to hide themselves. Now, now, many think this is what's called a Christophany, that is, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. And I, and I think that there's a good possibility that that's who this character is, especially when you compare the vision that John had in Revelation chapter 1. There is a remarkable similarity uh, to the, the, the dress and so forth. The linen probably points to the priestly office, the gold sash Uh, Of course, face like lightning and eyes like fire and arms and legs like bronze. I mean, it would be easy to to see that connection to Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. My only hesitation with that is verse 13, where this figure acknowledges that he receives assistance in his conflict with another Uh, he receives assistance from the angel Michael in his conflict. The only reason I would hesitate to say this is Jesus is I'm quite sure that Jesus doesn't need help from any angels in a conflict. Amen? Amen. It could be him. but, But I think Ezekiel describes a similar angel in Ezekiel chapter 1, probably one of the cherubims. And so I take this to refer at at minimum, let's just say, this is an angelic being who uh, apparently is some kind of remarkable angel who who represents and, and, and reflects the glory of God that he serves. 
So much so that this angel is, is, is tantamount, if you will, to seeing God himself. And, and, and why do we say this? Well, we say this because of the response. I mean, the, the, the men who are with Daniel didn't even see it, but there's trembling that fell on, on them, verse 7. And it, and it has to be at least something why Daniel loses all of his strength, and so much so that he just collapses on the ground before this being. I mean, this certainly teaches us about Something about the holiness and glory of God, doesn't it? This is just as an angel that causes this. Some, something, a being that is reflecting the glory and holiness of God. Daniel could not even stay on his feet. When, when you encounter the truth who is God, even in a, a mediated form of this angel, it, it is more devastating than you think. There was a man who approached Pastor John MacArthur at the end of a worship service several years ago. And this man told John MacArthur how he had saw the Lord. How he had had visions of the Lord and how the Lord would appear to him at times. He, he says, uh, for example, he says, he'll come and speak to me while I'm shaving in the mornings. And Pastor MacArthur wisely said, I, I have just one question. Do you stop shaving when he comes? As if to say, does this not interrupt your routine at all? You see, in the Bible, when people encountered God or one of his angels, it was never a casual encounter. People fell down like dead people. There's nothing casual about it. There's no, there's no dream. There, there, there was no, it was a devastating encounter. In fact, most of this chapter that we read is about the process of getting Daniel back up on his feet after he encounters this angel. I mean, notice, walk through the text. Verse 8, uh, no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. I retained no strength, he says. Notice verse 9, I fell on my face in a deep sleep. Verse 10, uh, the, the phrase, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and, and knees. Verse 11, when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Notice verse 15, uh, when he had spoken, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. I couldn't even say anything, he says. Verse 16 uh, by, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. He's in physical pain. Verse 17, again, no strength remains in me, no, no breath in me. It took his breath away. Verse 18, one, he, he says, uh, touched me and strengthened me. Verse 19, as he spoke, I was strengthened, he says. And he says, let my Lord speak, for you've strengthened me. I mean, it was only after this ordeal, all of that, those verses, that Daniel is in fact now perhaps ready to receive actually the content of the vision. It was the encounter here that left him. Re receiving the truth of God always leaves a frightful toll on a person. 
You, you don't encounter the truth of God and His Word without it leaving a mark on your life, without it, it, it changing you in some way. And that's what we see here, isn't it? Satan wants us to think that obedience to God really doesn't matter that much. That, you know, eh, doesn't really make a difference whether or not you follow God's word, whether you follow it faithfully or not, or whether you just become like the culture around you. It doesn't really have any implications to your life. He, Satan wants to convince us that because life is hard, then why would, would you make it harder on yourself? By trying to be faithful to him. Just follow the easy path. Just go with the flow. Quit taking this stuff so seriously. Quit looking to this. But you see, when you understand who God is, this, this gloriously holy God, then obedience is never a minor matter. Faithfulness is not just a trivial detail. No, this God is passionately committed to His holiness and saving a people from, for Himself. And thus, He demands commitment from His church. It matters. Dugwood noted this. He says, a God like this is worth leaving the comforts of Babylon for. A God like this is worth worth struggling on through the difficult times for. A God like this is worth going to the ends of the earth to tell others about. A God like this is worth even giving up our lives for. God's purpose in revealing himself to Daniel in this glorious way was, again, not to crush him, but it was to convict him. It wasn't to destroy him, but to encourage him. God wants us to come to him in our weaknesses so that we will not trust in ourselves, but we will trust in him. What a beautiful testimony. Daniel says in verse 10, he touched me. Verse 18, he touched me and strengthened me but he didn't leave him the same. The final truth we see is that history is perhaps a bit more complicated than we realized. I want to return to verse 13, where he says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And then as the, this angel departs, he, he, uh, uh, he essentially says, I've got to get back to the fight. This is verse 20. He says, do you know why I've come to you, Daniel? But now I, I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I'll tell you what is inscribed in, the book of, in this book of truth. There's none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. What in the world's going on here? Well, the prince of the kingdom of Persia and this prince of Greece are, 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 are angelic powers who apparently, uh, like the angel who visited Daniel, like the angel Michael who is mentioned here, except these are evil angels. 
These are agents of Satan. And, and Daniel is made aware here uh, by this angel that there is this conflict going on behind the scenes. Daniel had no, no picture of, no image of at all. Not with flesh and blood and earthly kingdoms that what he was, Daniel was seen playing out. But there's a greater conflict in the spiritual realm against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Paul says in Ephesians 6. Notice that when the angel left one fight against the prince of Persia, he says, "Eh, there's another fight coming. The prince of Greece, he'll be there. It's a perpetual conflict taking place. It's, It's interesting that Daniel is given this because it's making him aware that the events of human history, the events of his life, the, the things that are playing out and happenings on the earth apparently are intertwined with events that are happening in heavenly places. Wow, did you have a bad burrito for breakfast or what? What in the world is this? As the one commentator explained it this way, if once the curtain was, were pulled back and the spiritual world behind it came to view, it would expose our spiritual vision a strug- to a struggle so intense, so convulsive, sweeping everything within its range that the fiercest battle ever fought on earth would seem by comparison a mere game. Not here, but up there. That's where the real conflict is waged. Our earthly struggle drones in its backlash. Who would have thought? History is a bit more complicated than we realize. Apparently there are these unseen evil powers uh, influencing, controlling kingdoms, governments of this world in, in such ways as to inflict harm on the people of God. An unseen war that is taking place that has real implications to our lives even today as they're being carried out. Whether that be in governments, whether that be in schools or churches or families or even in our own walks with the Lord. Be aware of this, church. Wake up to this reality, that scenario that I painted that that sometimes happens in the life of a family. There's spiritual conflict behind those things. And your struggles against sin, uh, behind the difficulties of your marriage, in in the the rebellious child that is is making life miserable, in your frustrations with your own lack of faithfulness, in conflict that takes place in churches. There's an underlying spiritual battle in which we are engaged. Do not think for a moment that as a believer you can avoid or escape this reality. There is an unseen war in which evil angels are seeking to decimate the people of God. Now think about it. That was happening all the way back in Daniel. Isn't it amazing that the Lord's church, His little flock is still enduring after all of that for years and years? Isn't that encouraging? Can you see how crucial prayer is in all of this? 
How crucial faithfulness to continue walking in God's truth. But as soon as Daniel, Daniel's cry is directed toward heaven, it is heard and help is on the way. This would be very despairing, I think. This whole picture, this knowledge would be very despairing if it were not for this angelic messenger who comes to Daniel and explains it. It would be very despairing if we didn't know about the archangel Michael who is up there somewhere and as a part of these battles that are going on. It would be very despairing if it weren't for the uh, the legions of angels that are talked about in Matthew 26, or that the Hebrews chapter 1, that these angels are sent to minister to the saints. But that's not the best news. Because all of this reminds us of that angel who appeared. Uh, whose appearance terrified a group of shepherds one night about 2,000 years ago, who surprisingly came to them and said, fear not. You don't need to fear any longer of what I'm going to tell you. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And can I remind you today, this one, Christ the Lord, there is no demon in hell who can resist his power and authority. And the Bible says in Revelation 19 that he will come and he will slay them all with just his word. This is why, church, I think Paul said, we must be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Not our own strength, but His. Be strong in the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You for this... uh, kind of window that's open to us in Daniel chapter 10 reminding us Lord of of these important things mainly Lord it reminds us of how great and glorious and powerful and holy that you are and that we would be fools if we did not fear you and respond to you in repentance and humility and faith And we pray for those today, our neighbors, our friends, our community, maybe even someone here who is living their life with no regard to you. That, Lord, you might open their eyes to see, to see the spiritual conflict that is taking place and to see their need for a Savior who is Jesus. And as your church, Lord, we are very thankful for Jesus, and I pray that you would help us to be strong in Him, in the strength of His might, and to recognize that things that are happening in our lives and all around us, even in our church at times, that there's things behind the scenes. We're grateful, Lord. 
for the strength that you give. Help us to be faithful in our obedience to you in all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm Pastor Jason Clark. And if you don't have a church home, I want to personally invite you to First Baptist Mount Washington. We're striving to be word-centered, gospel-focused, and community-minded. Learn more about our church and our meeting times from our website, fbcmw.org.